0: You're listening to a podcast of a Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. know who that singer was? That's Eric Clapton. And there's a reason why I wanted to play that song. But first of all, welcome Cafe Church. Good to have you join in from downstairs. So that video was Eric Clapton, and it's a very moving and a very tragic story behind the writing of that song. His four and a half year old son, Connor, fell from a window of the apartment that they had in New York, and the child fell to his death. And so his dad, Eric Clapton, wrote this song to commemorate his dead son. And it's probably one of the worst tragedies any family can face, to see something like that. And if you look at any of the footage of the early interviews with Eric Clapton at that time, By the way, he's a famous singer-songwriter, just in case you don't know him. Um, He is desperately distraught, obviously, as any parent would be. But I wanted to play today because, in many ways, it encapsulates what I've been talking about last Sunday and finally today as well, to conclude a three-part series I'm doing. Because Eric Clapton's son fell out and died, and last Uh, Sunday, we looked at a guy called Eutychus, or Fortunate, to translate his name into English, and he fell asleep in church, and he fell out a window to his death, and he died, sort of a bit like Eric Clapton's son. And today, I want to conclude this small series by looking at another son, or another guy, but he was a son, and he, if you will, died In many ways, not physically, but in many other ways to his father and to his family. And that is the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told us in the Bible. So Eric Clapton's song to me kind of summed up those two uh, senses of loss. So just to... Uh, recap on what I shared last Sunday, for those who weren't here, or if you were here, just so that it's fresh in our mind. This is really important. I felt the Lord um, stir me to share at this time these three studies, including on Tuesday night, because of the time of year we are in. But last Sunday, I was looking at uh, Acts chapter 20, and we read how the Christian church in Troas, which is in modern day Turkey, opposite the Greek islands where many go on holidays. And here in Troas, the Christian church met. And we're told in one of these verses that you might just glimpse at and not really think about, that many lamps were lit in the upper room where this Christian church met. And this is hugely symbolic to us as Christians, because the lamps stand for God's Word, the Bible. The Bible self-describes itself as a lamp to our feet. The lamps are lit By oil. That's how they were lit back then. And the oil is a symbol of God's Holy Spirit, the power of God in us. So God's word, the Bible, and God's power, the Holy Spirit, were happening in the Christian church in Troas, both symbolically and in reality. So it's dark out there, but it's light within the Christian church. And we saw how a young guy probably a teenager called Eutychus fell asleep and as he fell asleep he fell out the window there would have been no glass just wooden shutters that were open because of the heat and he fell to his death and so we know that he fell away from the light that was within the Christian community out to the darkness he fell from worship to silence, he fell away from community to isolation, and he fell away from life unto death. And so this is a powerful symbol for anyone who has faith, or anyone who cares about other people who have faith. How easy it is for someone to fall asleep spiritually and fall away from the things of God. And finally, we, I just asked the question, what's your window ledge? or your windowsill? Is there something going on in your life that will cause you to fall asleep spiritually, cause you to be isolated, cause you to go from worship to to not worshiping, cause you to go from life, spiritual life, to spiritual death? And I shared this in the context, and this was Tuesday night, of the Feast of Samhain, the Old Irish Feast, which is where Halloween comes from. People think Halloween came from Hollywood. It didn't. Unfortunately, a lot of the dark side of it came from Ireland here. And we saw how in the Feast of Samhain, this is Mina Samhain or November, but that was Halloween, how in Ireland it was believed the God of Light went to sleep and the God of Darkness woke up. And at that crossover time, which is this week just gone, the Irish believed that... Um, Spiritually, we entered into a thin place where the living and the dead weren't as separate as normal. And so what many people in Ireland did, including my ancestors in West Cork, they would have left out cake or something sweet for the spirits of the dead to keep them away from coming into the house, which is where trick and treating comes from. And then if they had to leave the house, particularly on the night of Samhain, Iha Samhain, the Halloween night, people would dress up in disguise almost as a spirit or a ghost so that the dead wouldn't attack them. And that's where we get the tradition now of children dressing up as ghosts or demons or witches and so on so it all comes from this so the god of light was going to sleep the god of darkness was waking up and we know that spiritually there is definitely something going on this week that is a lot more powerful than normal and so it was into this context of how easy it is for you and for me to fall away from god that I started this series. So I want to conclude today, and I'm going to look at Luke chapter 15 at an abridged version. You can read it yourself uh, in greater detail, but for the purposes of this morning, I've highlighted some of the main verses from Luke 15. It's a well-known story, but I want to look at it from a different angle. And it's called the parable of the prodigal son. And Jesus took great pains to bring this out to his followers 2,000 years ago in Galilee. And so we pray, Lord, that your word, the Bible, would feed us today and give us direction in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just see it. It says a man had two sons, but one of the two sons wanted his inheritance straight away. And after the father had given him the money, he went far away and he wasted all the money on wild living. But when the money ran out, and he was starving, he came to his senses saying, I'm dying here. I need to go and apologize to my father. Note that word, apologize. It's not repent, it's apologize. And so on the journey back, on the way back, he was still a long way off, but his father saw him at a distance and was filled with compassion. And so the father ran out and embraced him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against you, and I should no longer be called your son. But his father said, No, let's celebrate. My son who was lost, my son who was dead, is now found, and he is alive to us again. Hallelujah. I think any one of us who are parents, who love our sons and our daughters, I know for me, something goes on in my heart emotionally every time I read this. I think it's a powerful exposition or explanation of the heart of God's Father, of God the Father's heart to you and to me. So when we look at it and we unpack it slightly, we can see in verse 13 that as soon as the son got the money, he went far away. This is shocking. So when Jesus preached this to the uh, believers in Galilee 2,000 years ago, this was shocking. Because when a son or a daughter would go and demand their inheritance, what they were in effect saying to their father was, I wish you were dead. And I don't know if you've got a teenager or a young adult child, if you are a parent, if they've ever said those words to you, But it was that and worse, for this obviously compassionate man who loved his kids. So as soon as the son got the money, he went away. He left his family, he left the place of community in that sense. So much similarities with this guy who fell out the window that we saw last week, Eutychus in Acts 20. It's a bit like Judas Iscariot, who was also in an upper room like Eutychus. And as soon as he knew there was money to be had when he betrayed Jesus Christ, he left the upper room and he went out for 30 pieces of silver. Of course, as ever, it's always a lie and it ended in death for Judas. And so Judas left the upper room and here we have the prodigal son, leaving his father, leaving his family, and going far away. But of course, as always happens, when the money ran out and he was starving, he came to his senses. Remember, when the money ran out and he was starving, this was reality teaching him a lesson. How many of us, when we're young or not so young, and people will say, be careful, Because if you do that, you're likely to have this repercussion. And yes, we don't listen. And we still, me included, will go ahead and do something. And it's only when we feel the punch, the sting, the hiss of the reality we've walked into, that we actually come to our senses. It's a bit as if there is a temporary madness. I do a lot of weddings. Uh, Michael does as well, and one of the favorite readings is uh, a reading called, Love is a Temporary Madness. The whole concept behind it is, is that when we fall in love, it's like there's a madness comes upon us, and logic goes out the window, and, uh, and, and, and we just don't see the reality of where we're going. And so when we break our hearts, or our hearts are broken, through love that didn't work out, yet still we will go back another time and maybe it will be a couple of months or a couple of years later, but we're ready, we're willing to have our hearts broken again. It's something quite amazing in the human personality. But for this guy, who was definitely out of God's will, who had gone far away from his father, who was so self-centered, of course the money ran out and the sting came. He was now starving. He was close to death. He was living with pigs. In that culture, that was the worst. That was the worst. That's like saying, you tonight are going to sleep in Cork City sewers with all of the faeces and urine flowing by you. That's what living with pigs meant to the Jewish mindset. And so, reality, the university of hard knocks, of life taught him a lesson and he came to his senses and here he is and I don't have the time to go into all the detail but he made a decision and said I need to go back to my father and apologize. I need to apologize because I need to live. His plan was that he would just be like a servant. He knew he had blown it and blown his inheritance but there wasn't a repentance in his heart, he just needed to survive. So this, if you will, was almost political or survival mode rather than something deeper going on. And what we know is that it would appear the father was waiting for his son. If anyone loves their kids, no matter how old they are, there will be something in your heart and in your soul where you will be waiting for them. And if they get involved in a toxic relationship that you know they're going to end in heartache or they're struggling with an addiction or whatever the issue is, as a parent, if you love them, you'll be waiting for them. And so the father was waiting. Maybe, maybe his son would come back. And he sees him from a long way off. So he was obviously scanning the horizon. And he saw his son and we're told when the father saw him, look what happened. He was filled with compassion for his son. Did he think about when he was a baby? Did he think about when he was sitting him on his knee as a little toddler and he would hug him and embrace him and kiss him? Was he thinking of how he would put him to bed many nights? Was he thinking about the little boy who would follow his dad around and mimic the work he was doing? What was the bonding that went on? There was surely a deep bonding and the father was a spiritual man as well. And so when he sees his son, he runs the distance and he goes out to embrace him. This is appalling to a Jewish mindset. First of all, a mature man is running. You expect a young guy to be running. For a mature man to run in that culture was quite... quite. uh, For a mature man to run in that culture was shocking. And not only that, he goes and he embraces this waster. Everybody would have thought of that young fella as a waster, as a chancer, as a self-centered guy who was only interested in himself. And yet the father goes and he embraces him. And the point I want to make, and let me come to the essence of what I want to share today, is the Greek word the New Testament was written in Greek about this word embrace because it's a very rare verb in the Greek language and it's used as well in last week's message in Acts 20. And it's because we know last week that Paul ran out of the meeting and threw himself on the dead body of this young guy who had died. He threw himself on him. And so the word embrace and the word threw himself on him, we've it translated differently in English, keep with me, but it's a fascinating word. It's the Greek word epison, and it means to almost lose your dignity for something or someone more important. So the father episoned himself. Paul the Apostle, the mighty man of God, episoned himself when he threw himself on the body of the dead young man. We looked last week how he would have had a tunic on him, which was typical of Roman uh, fashion. But when he threw himself on the dead body of this young guy, he would have picked up blood and guts and body fluid, possibly bits of brain and all of that. But Paul didn't care what he looked like. Paul had a heart for the young man who had fallen asleep in the spiritual community and had fallen out to his death. So the father lost his dignity, almost. Paul lost his dignity. Neither of them cared about their image. Their heart was for someone else. And when you see a man or a woman who has that heart, that epison, to use the Greek word, then you're looking at something that is not shallow that is quite deep and profound and is utterly life-giving, not life-taking. Show me someone who is very self-centered and then you'll never see this kind of a heart. But the father loved his son. And Paul, the great apostle, obviously loved his spiritual children. He was called their father, their spiritual father. But both men played a key role, and I'm here today to say that for many of us, whether you're a parent or whether you're not a parent, if you've got that heart for your children or for others, maybe it's for a friend, then God will use that, hallelujah, because it brings life, it doesn't bring death, it is life-giving and it is not life-taking, we know that when the Father embraced the Son, then all of the theologians and Bible scholars say that's actually when repentance kicked in. Before that, it was just an apology. But when the Son saw the Father embrace him with such lavish love, with such unselfish devotion, the Son, something happened in his soul. And he said, I have sinned against you, and I should no longer be called your son. It was no longer, I apologize. It was, I have sinned. So he took ownership of his outrageous behavior. And there was a genuine change in heart. What was the trigger? It was the father's epison. It was the father's love for him. What does the Bible say? We love God because he first loved us. There's a number of people in here for the first time. Can I suggest it's the love of God who, what that's been drawing you, that's been knocking on the door of your heart. It, it's drawn all of us. No matter what the media says, or no matter what some latest celebrity who says, God is dead, yet you know in your soul there's more to life than just these three score years and ten that we have. There's something deeper going on. And behind it all is the fingerprint of God. So the son has a repentance. He turns and something changes. And it's all down to the father's heart for him. So when we look at the two guys. Sorry guys, somebody has pulled something out of the laptop. You'll have to put on the next slide. Not sure what you've done. Can you put on the next slide? When we look at the two guys, Eutychus the guy in Acts chapter 20 who fell asleep and fell out the window and then the prodigal son. We can look that both of them were blessed because they either had a Paul or a dad in the situation. Both Paul and his father had such a heart that they would run down or run out to them. Both Paul and the father had faith in the young person who had fallen away. Both saw a life. And both saw future in them. Hallelujah. Now we can go to sleep today and not care. Or we can have a heart like the heart God has for us. Whether it's for our children or for our friends. But brothers and sisters, you and I need to have that epicent heartbeat within us. And we really need to see that God can use us in this way. So can I encourage you? Can I challenge you as you're listening to me here and in Cafe Church? Is there something within you that is willing to say, I personally am willing to lose my dignity so that the person I care about can find their life and can find their connection with the Father. Here I am, Lord. I want to be that kind of parent or I want to be like Paul in the Bible for my friends or for others. I am willing to run out the road. I am willing to run down onto the street. I am willing to throw myself, not literally, but I'm willing to get dirty, and I'm willing to lose my dignity, and here I am, Lord. will you give me that heart? Here's the thing, as I conclude. None of us have this naturally. But when we invite the Lord, and we ask Him to give us this heart, something supernatural goes on in our attitude. It's not spooky, it's just something changes within. And it's like God gives us this epison. And so we move from our natural state, for most of us is quite self-centered, that's the way I was, and that's the way I, I have to fight against. But it brings us to have this heart. When you've got a whole load of people, With that kind of a heart, a community starts to change. When across our church community here, if we have a thousand people, if every one of us has this kind of a heart, it releases a spiritual dynamic that goes beyond our walls. Can you imagine all over the city of Cork if this episode type heart, caught like wildfire, People have tried to do things. There was a thing a few years back, a revolution of kindness where they were encouraging people to do one kind act on a certain day of the year. And, you know, that, that's good and there's nothing wrong with that. Can I suggest, though, that until our hearts are deeply changed, all it will ever be is an occasional thing. Whereas when God gives us this heart, it's transformational. So last week, we prayed for all our teenagers. Most of them are away now at the weekend away uh, down in West Cork right now. But we prayed for our teenagers and the feedback we got was, I thought they knew it, but they said the teenagers were really touched that adults cared about them. No, I assumed we're Christians. Of course we care about them. But until they saw you guys come up and lay hands on them, and pray for them, until they saw that, that's when it registered. you know what? Those adults that I see passing me by aren't just taken up with their own lives. They care about what's happening to me. So we prayed for the teenagers last week. You know what I want to do today? I want to pray for the parents. I want to pray for the dads and the mums. Because... Stephen shared it when he was doing the breaking of bread. There is an onslaught in the media that is becoming more and more shrill and more and more vociferous in its anti-God stand so that it's like anyone who has a faith is seen as strange. And yet, it is the most intuitive and the most natural of the supernatural things to happen. There's a God-shaped vacuum in you that only Jesus Christ can fill. There's a God-shaped vacuum in me that only Jesus Christ can fill. So we're going to pray for the parents. If your son or daughter is four hours old or four decades old, it doesn't matter. You still care about them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we want to pray for the mums and dads who are here, but we also want to pray. I know we touched on it briefly last week but maybe you don't have sons and daughters, or maybe they're doing fine. God raised up Paul didn't have any natural children, but he had many spiritual children. We need to say, God, would you give me that Epison attitude? It sounds like a, sounds like a camera or something, doesn't it? Epison. Or, or, or a new technology. But it's not a new technology, guys. It's an ancient love that operated over thousands of years. And for today, we need to have that heart again. Can I call the band up? I've asked the band to play a song written by great singer-songwriter from Ireland, Robin Mark, and I love this song. It talks about, he's the healer of hearts, the binder of wounds, lives that are lost, restored. No, not by might, not even power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we're going to sing this and then we're going to pray. So could you stand with me, guys? Cafe Church, I'll hand over to you now. Thank you for watching. And Farad and Fiona will lead you in prayer with this as well. Let's throw up the words. We're going to sing it and then we'll pray.
1: <clears throat> no, not by my No, not by my nor even power.
0: had a dad like the prodigal son's father or a mother who really cared for you in any way spiritually and maybe you never had a friend like Paul who would run out for you. Yet, perhaps this is kind of new to you you have found your way here today. Can I submit to you, that is not a coincidence the love of God has been drawing you and today even though it's been your own efforts you can take the next step and find pure peace with God. We can never have the peace of God until we make our peace with God. And so I'm going to invite anyone for whom this is kind of new to just quietly, privately, call out to the Lord today. Can I ask everyone to close your eyes down in the hall and everyone on the stage here as well. If your eyes are open, You really are invading someone else's ability to just make a connection with the Lord. If this is kind of new to you and you wanna just say that to the Lord today, you want to take the next step, even though there never was a father or a mother or a Paul who cared spiritually for you. Can I ask you to lift up your hand and then take it down again? I won't say anything to anyone. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Okay. I think we have five people. I'm just gonna pray for you five guys. You can take your hands down. I pray that the wonderful Holy Spirit of the living God would fall upon you now. And that as you take your next step in making your peace with God, I pray that you would experience the peace of God. And I pray that as you draw closer to Jesus, He would bless you. And that despite the fact that there never was another person who cared for you spiritually, I pray that today this step that you are taking in your heart and in your mind would bring you to the next position where you will find others who do care for you, who will run out the road for you, who will throw themselves in a good sense to bring life into you and so we bless these five people and we pray the spirit of Jesus would be upon you all the days of your lives in Jesus name and God's people prayed will we give a round of applause to those five people God bless you for the final five minutes I'm gonna ask if you are a mum or a dad and you want to pray for your son or your daughter whatever age they are would you lift up your hands that you're willing to pray for your kids can I ask you to come to the top the guys are gonna sing the song again we're going to do a collective prayer for all the parents because you'll be standing for your sons and your daughters hallelujah no not by might no, not by my, No even by. Can you move forward, guys? Let but the other people come in. By your hands up and in the palm of your hands you're putting your sons and your daughters who you obviously love. Father we pray for our sons and our daughters and we give them to you right now as we are surrounded by the people of God in your house as it were. We ask you Lord that you would intervene in our sons and our daughters lives whatever age they are whether they're children babies, primary school, secondary school, college, young adults, middle-aged adults. Lord, we love them, we care for them. And so now in our hands, we give them to you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would intervene in a godly way in their lives and that their heartbeat would be the same as the heartbeat of the Lord our God. We pray they would be spiritual men and women. Will anyone say amen? Amen. Lord, protect them and keep them for yourself in Jesus' name. And I want you to put your right hand over your heart. So your heart is on your left-hand side. Just put your right hand on your heart. I pray now, Lord, as fathers, as mothers, that we would have a heart like the prodigal father And that we would have that episode attitude we don't care what people think we care about our sons and our daughters and so right now Lord we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would give us the ability to run out the road for our sons and daughters to ourselves as it were upon their dead bodies or their wounded bodies and even though we would be stained by the experience we are not concerned with our dignity we are concerned about their future so give us that episode heart by your Holy Spirit and may we see the next generation of our children and our children's children follow the Lord live by God's principles and have a life-giving experience of Christianity. Keep them from addictions. Keep them from toxic relationships. Keep them from growing lukewarm or cold or falling asleep. Let them be awake to the potential and the destiny God has to their future. Lord, let us be the episode fathers and mothers and friends for our children in Jesus name and for one last time the people of God said amen. amen hallelujah let's go back to our seats and we'll sing this one verse one more time before we close let's just sing it as a prayer for all of us if you're not a parent you're a friend have a Paul attitude for the people that you love as well. Let's sing it one more time before we close. No not by mine.
1: No even power, but by your spirit.
0: God go before you this week and may you and all you care about be safe and be blessed in God's presence for the coming week thank you so much for coming we deeply appreciate every one of you for taking the time if you have the time, coffee and tea it's all for free served upstairs otherwise God willing we'll see you Tuesday or maybe next Sunday God bless your week ahead the guys are going to play us out as we say goodbye to one another, or as we make our way upstairs.